All right, greetings everybody. I'm Marguerite Rigoglioso of Seven Sisters Mystery School. And I am really honored and delighted to be here today with Dia Prajna Paramita, who has been a colleague of mine, a friend of mine, a sometimes mentee. Um, and I finally was given the nudge to get together with her in front of the camera and um, mine her for her riches of gold. I mean, just behold Dia right now. You can see what she looks like and what she's carrying, part of what she's carrying just by how she carries herself and how she adorns herself. And there's so much there. I want to first say, hi Dia. <laughs> Hello Marguerite. <laughs> it's so great to have you and be doing this at long last for, yeah. for others, right? We've had our own little, you know, chat fests and whatnot, <laughs> but it's really amazing. And I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation because there's so much more I wanna know about you and I wanna support you in bringing out to the world. So just to give a little like 3D background on you. So you're of mixed heritage um, of various different backgrounds born in Texas, raised in New York City. Um, you've been an author, a creative artist, a dancer, and a priestess of what you call your maternal ancestral tradition. And we're going to talk a little bit about that because this is really fascinating, everybody. You know, what Dia has been up to. She went on basically a three-year pilgrimage in a sense, around the world, right? Or at least Europe, North Africa, Asia. Is yeah. that correct? Yes. You know, in recent years, kind of just being led by these ancestors, these mother masters who she's going to talk about. And you've also been assiduously following and recording your dreams, right? For what? How many years? 19 years. 19 years. 19 years. You have you have dream journals to die for. And, uh, you know, you find sometimes that you've been given prophecy. Like, it's almost like, um, you know, the um, Notre Dame or whatever. <laughs> you know, you can go back the Sibylline oracles or you can go back, wow, in 1995, I received this. And um, every once in a while, I'll see you post something or we'll talk about that. It's, it's really quite amazing. You're also a scholar. You are getting your PhD in women's spirituality at the California Institute of Integral Studies. I know you got a master's in women's spirituality at the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology. That's where we met um, when I was a, a faculty um, with them. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Like he said, I'm excited that we've come to this point and it's like, let's, let's talk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so for everybody to know, and just to encourage you to, to stay on and really continue watching, um, this is quite a fascinating story. And um, I think what I want to do is jump into the meat of it. And then we can kind of go back to your background because sometimes it's like, oh, you know, la la la, how'd you get started? But let's 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 go into what's going on now. 
um, in your world. And then if you need to get any background, you can explain your background by way of that. But what's happening? What, how, what kind of contact are you having with the spirit world? Who are these ancestral mothers? Uh, so right now, what's happening is 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 a reemergence of of an origin story, pretty much an origin myth um, or cosmogenic myth, is you know the academic term for it. But it's it's essentially the beginning point of all of the ancestral dreams that I've had for the past nineteen years. Right, so you know, people people would normally think, oh, things happen in a linear fashion. No, it it hasn't. It it doesn't. At least not for me. Um, so right now, it's a matter of integrating. Okay, so this is the beginning point, and it's 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 a how to say it? It's an it's an origin story. It's it's, it's a genesis, pretty much. Yeah. And so I'm weaving that weaving everything that I've been taught over the past 19 years, like really aligning it to, okay, so in the beginning, it was this, and this is how everything else fits in. Good. And this is fascinating. This is what sort of nudged us into having this conversation. So why don't you tell me who these mothers are? What lineage are they from? If you know, where's this information coming from? And then let's launch into this information, because I think this is really critical, important information to hear about this origin story of the cosmos that really, in many regards, dovetails with, echoes, or overwrites some of the other origin stories that we've been receiving. And it feels so power to me on, and I, powerful to me, and I get such a yes on it, that that's why you know we felt like we wanted to bring this to the public. So who are these mothers and where is this information coming from? And then what is the information? So these mothers are essentially, they're the seven godmothers of the world. So when I say godmothers, it's there are seven cosmic mothers in orientation. They emerged simultaneously from this grand consciousness pretty much, right? Um, and so these seven mothers, they each have a, not, not so much dominion, but it's like each of them uh, self-replicate universities that their nature pretty much organizes. So there isn't one universe, there are multiple. There are multiple, multiple, multiple universes. And so each of these seven mothers their, then their nature perpetuates these universes, right? So for example, if we have a lot of stories that talk about um, there was a primordial sea and then everything emerged from it. In this particular universe, the way it was revealed to me, the mother that is, that organizes and perpetuates this universe, her element is water. So we have, there are seven mothers, seven godmothers of the worlds, plural, and the way that they, you know, they emerged within their already forms with, with everything already as is. And then they just perpetuate by self-replication. So everything that they create carries this ability to self-replicate. Okay, so let's pause. 
this is a little different than uh, what we might find in a book that shall remain unnamed. Yes. Now, um, this is this is like what you hear about in the Shakta universe mm. of the Hindu tradition, where it's a feminine-born universe and created. But you're talking about seven, seven mothers, seven godmothers, seven grandmothers. Mm. Now we hear about these sevens, like in the seven sisters of the Pleiades, the seven Hathors. Right. Who are those in relation to these women in your under, it, these great master creatrix beings in your understanding? They're a cultural understanding of um, the seven in a female form. So for example, the seven Hathors, um, that's ancient Egypt or, or Kemet. Um, and they're the ones that, you know, foretell the coming of a, of a child and the child's destiny, and they're there when the child is born. So that's that particular um, understanding. And then you have, you get, again, the seven Pleiades or the seven sisters that is better known in the Mediterranean uh, tradition. And then you have the Septa Matrikas of the Hindu tradition, or sometimes there are eight. Um, but these stories, they're very, the stories that, you know, that we are aware of, they're very particular, specific to this planet, you know, and they, they talk about how, you know, this particular culture started um, because it's coming from a cultural lens. But with what's been revealed for me, the way that I see it is, one, it's a, it's a way for me to be able to orientate myself and my family because we come from such a diverse background. We were in, you know, the United States of America that doesn't have a very, like its own original cultural story. That's a very not so great story, right? With its, with its founding. Um, so the seven godmothers of the world, the way that it's been revealed for me is that it's, it, you know, it's, it's a cosmic origin. And with its revelation, to, my best of, to the best of my ability, I try to maintain the integrity of what's been revealed. So they're showing me this is how we created, not just this planet, but this is how we create in general. Um, and so the stories that have been revealed to me through ancestral memory, which is different from um, lucid dream, ancestral dreaming and lucid dreaming are two different things. Um, talks about not only how this particular world is created, but how creation in and of itself happens throughout the cosmos. And let's pause there because this is really a story of self-generation, like in other words, parthenogenesis, in other words, virgin birth. Now you have taken my course in that regard, You, which I'm going to be offering some of those uh, original recordings very soon next week in an audio series, the Divine Birth Mysteries audio series. So people can tune back into that. And it's going to be in my book. The, the description, the summary of this is going to be in my forthcoming book, The Mystery Tradition of Miraculous Conception, which is subtitled Mary and the Lineage of Virgin Births. So tell us about how this relates to our understanding of virgin birth or what is there more that we need to know about virgin birth if it's the basis of the entire cosmic creation? 
well, first thing that everyone should become aware of is that when we think of the, the seven mothers or the way in which it was, it's revealed to me, the stories that we know today, it's not just of the women, you know, it's how their stories are co-opted or, or subverted. Um, and in this in particular, it's, it's like, it's a reset actually. It's like, okay, we've watched how the world has, has changed, particularly, you know, this planet, which is a very um, beloved gem <laughs> in this part of, of, of the cosmos. Um, so it, it's, it's like, all right, well, this, we're starting the cycle. This needs to kind of write itself back on its, on its, on its head. Um, the way the, the mothers create, then it's so wonderful that you asked this question because it was revealed to me over the summer, you know, before the, the, the genesis, um, how self-replication is passed down. So one of the main uh, tenets of the mothers is continuity. And so with self-replication, it's they pass down how to self-replicate through their creations. And the original form is that of the female form, not because it's woman as defined by society, but because woman has that cauldron of creation, the womb. That's the main thing right there. And so with parthenogenesis, the way that we've been able to vocalize it in, in language is continuity through self-replication. So as she creates, she passes that down to her creations and her, the, the most essential form that's manifested is that of, of woman because she, she holds that, she has that in her, it's, it's already ingrained. And when it comes to, you know, men say, well, what about men? It's not about opposites really it's complementary and so the the only difference that i've been taught between men and women is that men don't have a womb it's not to say they can't create it's not to say that they can't be generative in their creativity it's with regards to continuity to perpetuate the essence of what the seven mothers are that's in the form of female. So yes, parthenogenesis, it has to do with honoring that cosmic spark of creation, that cosmic means of bringing into being. And that's, that is what they are. It's, it's so amazing because when they showed me, it's that's just their thing. As soon as they emerge, they just started self-replicating and wow. in their creation. So that is their, it's, it's just to, to create and to bring form to. Right. So what you're talking about is a multiverse that is essentially governed, created by seven beings who are female, who have wounds. And it's like they're not even one. It's not one monotheistic male god, you know, the erector set model of creation. You're, what you're getting is something much older that is hints if not direct correspondences in these ancient religions, like you were mentioning, India with the Saptamatrikas or the Astamatrikas, um, Egypt with its seven Hathors, Greece, 
and even really internationally with the seven sisters of the Pleiades and so forth. These are like resonances. Mm -hmm. Now I know that the Pleiades were named as essentially virgin mothers. Now they had, they were raped and in the creation of humanity there, because of the beings that raped them, um, their co-creation of humanity became a little bit marred. It, be it was a little bit um, driven off course mm -hmm. by the energies that came into them through these beings who raped them and infiltrated human DNA at a certain point in, in history. So there's, there's that interruption story you know, as, as well that we have here. Um, what, so these revelations are coming to you through dreams or through uh, ceremonial states or tell us a little bit more about this. Well, it's both, both ceremonial and, and dreaming. Mm -hmm. uh, the revelation of the, the origin story was through ceremony. Um, and the explanation of tradition or, you know, what to do to honor this, what to do to embody that, that was revealed through ancestral dreaming. I see. Um, and so with, you know, when, when you mention how, you know, the, the Pleiades and, and the energies coming in, the revelation with regards to that is that because the male body cannot replicate itself, it's it's reliant on um, the the essential beingness of these of these mothers. So even though you know we have these myths today that that talk about like um, Zeus, for example, giving birth through the, you know through the head or or Atum, you know, depending upon how you look at ancient Egyptian creation stories, it the male aspect the male form is reliant on because it, it 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 doesn't have that that particular womb space that is that mimics the cosmos right and, and as i've written in the cult of divine birth in ancient greece and then my second book virgin mother goddesses of antiquity that reliance that lack of womb space is what led to the cosmic rapes mm -hmm. the rapes of the great goddess herself which you hear about in things like the Eleusinian mysteries, as well as the rapes of the continued iterations of these goddesses and their priestesses. So these are cosmic stories and that are coming to light again. You know, we're, we're starting to understand in a new way what's going on from this female-centered perspective as the veils are coming off. Tell us a little bit about Athena, because, you know, I've written about her extensively as originally a virgin mother before she was co-opted and swallowed by Zeus and brought through his, his sieve to become a warrior in service of patriarchy. But she originally was a virgin mother and a healer goddess. And, I, and I, it seems to me you've been receiving some information about Athena. And I've also written about her and studied about her as her origins are in North Africa, right? 
which is also where, you know, the Pleiadian story is an African origin story as well, which is what's so interesting. So tell us what you're getting about Athena. So uh, she reveals herself as, as Athene and initially her origin is as Neith um, yes. of Saïs, um, which is, you know, no longer above water. Um, and I've written about that as well, just to correspond yeah. to what you're saying, verify what you're saying. So Athene laid the foundation for what we now call Athens um, as, as an, I would say that she existed, you know, in the flesh and her ascendancy to, you know, a, you know, as, as a goddess, Athena, um, was just part of that, that process of an ancestral mother. Um, these ancestral mothers as part of their embodiment, um, it's, it's what they did, you know, they established a ground. I, I, I recall seeing her laying the, the foundations of, of a road of, of the ground that, that she lived in. Um, because that's, that's part of what the mothers, I wouldn't say want, but it's, it's part of anchoring, anchoring their energies on, you know, habitable places. And right now I can just, I can just speak for, um, for the earth. Um, but that's just, that's just what I received. She was an ancestral mother. Um, and it's, she's, she's an ancestress, she's an ancestress to, to, you know, all of humanity. That's, that's also what I've got, that it's not just, you know, directly related, yes, but then also as a whole, because these ancestral mothers, that's just who they are, you know, all of humanity are their children. Um, but yes, yeah, she, you know, the founding of, of Athens, at least the way that it was revealed to me, she helped to lay the foundation, not just as her name, but also to ground the practices that, you know, were passed down and, you know, lost in some way. Absolutely. And what I, that, verifying that is the research that I've done in my, two, my first two books, which is that she literally laid the rock mm. on yes. which the Acropolis was built. So now, Tell us a bit more about this. These mothers know then how to have human incarnation. They know how to come into this dimension and, and have a reality. And are, are they still like walking the earth as ascended master type energies or how is this working? Um, so it's because now they're like, okay, we we're doing a, a whole shift. You children have run, run rampant in a sense. <laughs> So we're just going to, to come back and, and bring things out to, to equilibrium. Um, they operate in, in a couple of ways. One, of course, through getting in touch with um, people, particularly women, but both could be both men and women, getting in touch through um, ancestral lines that were directly related to what their priestesses did in, in antiquity. And that's usually, you know, through dreams um, and intuition. Um, and the other way is, of course, reincarnation. Um, so how does that happen? It it's a matter of having their daughters 
or you know remember okay sort of like a rememory of okay this is what happened in the past this is what we did this is what you're connected to so that's through ancestral dreaming so it's a matter of getting the individual in the right mindset in the right energetic um physical energetic framework because you know it to be born on this planet today depending on where you're born is to be born through a patriarchal you know patriarchal um conditioning so for them to come back it's okay let's get in touch with some of the human um lineages that are still alive today and just awaken that dna memory so that as just get these women up to speed as practices to work in the, into the community to bring people back to that that awareness and realization and then you know, our more focused approaches. Okay, we're going to start reincarnating. So how do we do that? We get in touch with particular lines again and reawaken her to who we are, to who she is, to how things were in the beginning through ancestral memory, have her practice these for a number of years up to the point where, you know, they're, they're ready to say, all right, we're gonna come down. <laughs> in a special conception that this woman is going to have that that would be that would be the the way because if you think about it that's their nature in a sense you know so if if they you know the way that the they emerged it's the re-emergence this is how that they would want to come back you know so however which way they deem it um that is that's the way it, it is to happen are these primarily through parthenogenetic virgin conceptions? Um, I, I would say I'd assume so um, because that's their nature. That's in their, you know, energetic framework, um, whether it be exactly through that or through a, a particular union of their choosing it's you know, it's up to them uh, how that union would happen, be it, in the spiritual realm or on the earthly realm, again, it's up to how they how they would see fit. But I would imagine, you know, it would be through their way, which is self-replication, parthenogenesis, or uh, you know, a divine conception in, in in a more ancient traditional way than than what we have today. This is truly completely fascinating. And I think it's one of the reasons that keeps bringing you and I together and together and together, right? Because um, I find out stuff, then you find out stuff, and then we kind of cross talk about it. And, and it's just amazing. So um, yeah, I just want to give people watching a moment to just absorb, you know, what is being suggested here of, of a new old cosmology of how it may have been. Seven mothers, seven grandmothers, godmothers as universal creators. One of them would be the governess of this universe. Mm -hmm. Their method of birth is parthenogenesis, virgin birth, self-creation, self-creation, self-replication, out of which men can come, males can come. And something went askew with that whole schema and program 
And the males that they started creating started raping them, started raping the priestesses. Other beings of their creation started skewing some of these beings that were coming into form. And then it went down the road of, you know, if you want to call it fallen angels or whatever, <laughs> until today where the world is going to heck in a handbasket and what are you going to do about it? <laughs> well, what we're going to do about it is have dreams and be in ceremony and start getting this ancient information and then figure out, okay, what are the next steps, right? So let's talk about you personally, because I think this would be really interesting for people. And I want to say that, you know, as I've known you, you've always been a very humble person. Um, you're not like out there going, hey, you know, I'm this and that, but you've been sort of quietly at it, sometimes suffering, putting yourself sometimes in danger, like the time when you were in Egypt and all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. got under kind of a, and a little bit of an attack there. And all of a sudden, you know, some of us got hip to it and we're like, whoa, Dia's in trouble. How are we going to get her out of Egypt? And, you know, we started giving you money to get you out of there and get you back, you know. Um, so this has been like a road that's been fraught and kind of quiet behind the scenes of what you've been doing now, because it's time to come out. You're coming out because everything is opening up like an egg, you know, that's breaking open. Right. But tell us a little bit more about your relationship to how these mothers came to you, how this is part of your personal lineage and what's your role here, also including virgin birth, if you will. Uh, well, this all emerged, uh, I think I was 16, turning 17. Um, it, was, it was a dream in November of 2001. I guess like when I, decided to finally just write everything down because that summer my mother was like you should write these down <laughs> um yes my mother has been the one to always say listen to the dreams because your ancestors are speaking to you so that is what i grew up with um but it was that particular dream where it was it was a female you know she she came through and she said um it's not your destiny to get initiated into Ifa and Ifa, it's a, it's a Yoruba tradition out of Nigeria. Um, and so that, that confused me a little bit because that's what I also grew up with, you know, that's what my mother had to go on at the time. You know, you do a divination to find out what your destiny is. So that's also something I grew up with. You're born on the planet to fulfill, to find out what your destiny is and to fulfill it. And you try and do it in this lifetime or else you come back and you try again. Um, so that is, that was my first dream time encounter with regards to purpose. Um, and then just after that, it just kept, you know, reve revelation of different things from Egypt. And I'm like, oh, ancient Egypt, that's great. You know, at first thinking this is interesting, but let me write it down. Um, and then in 2011, again, when I was teaching in China, that's just kind of like when they all just started to come through because I decided to put my spirituality second 
and my career first. And that's when they said, no, you can't do that. Um, it's not your destiny to get initiated. It's your destiny to create a new path. Yes, and let me pause here to say, this I think is an example of what you were saying earlier on, which is these beings, like you're saying, they have a Geiger counter. <laughs> they can see where the gold is, so to speak. Where people have enough of a lineage, DNA, energetic signature, that they're going to be able to have a memory or a memory woken up. And they came to you. And they started in with this. And your mother, bless her heart, has been you know, pretty supportive of what you've been going through. So you were contacted. You received contact. Mm -hmm. by the mother or one mother and then the mothers. So then what happens next? Um, training. <laughs> and I mean that in the most literal way. It was, you know, wake up one morning and you have to wear a veil. And it's like, um, are you serious? Do you see the state of the world? It's kind of not, you have to wear a veil. And so it's, it's a training of getting into the proper space, right? Learning how to really listen to intuition, learning how to maintain the integrity of revelation. And that's really important because you can get an idea, you can be inspired, and then you can change it into whatever you want just so that you can make money, for example, or make a name for yourself. But when it's coming from spirit and spirit says, you need to do this, I've learned that you have to do it because if you stray, spirit will destroy your foundation, knock you on your butt and make sure you get it right. So that's what, what started happening. And wearing a veil wasn't, it wasn't a fascist theme. It was, it was to develop humility, to develop grace, to develop, um, to deepen my listening skills to be able to really listen to spirit and distinguish between what my ego is thinking and what spirit is trying to communicate. So it was uh, something like 2008, that's when, you know, the training began. Like, like as, you know, real world practice, do this, don't do this, wear this color, don't wear that color, go this way, behave in this way, present yourself in this way. So that's, that's just what happened after it was a matter of you can't initiate into this because it will take you off our plan. I would take you off your destiny. It would take you off your path. You have to do it this way. And these are the practices you need to do to get you situated. They would come and like in dreams. And I remember clearly seeing them removing seeds. They would say, we're taking these old seeds out and we're putting these new seeds in. And these seeds are pretty much um, the uh, conditioning of, of patriarchy. Yeah. It, they yeah. would carve it out and they would pour in their seeds, their, their connection, everything. So that no matter who I encountered, no matter where I went, because I had that faith, because their teachings were so deeply ingrained, it emanated. There's, a, there's an emanation, there's a radiation of that energy, yeah. which is why, you know, we talk about initiation and practice.
practice. That's what it helps you to do. It, it clears your space. It, it affects your space. So it's developing the energy so that their frequency can be further grounded on this planet. This is completely fascinating. And, you know, I've seen you evolve over the years. And um, so, you know, this could be a 14-part series, but uh, we have to sort of get that down to it. So what about, what about your connection with virgin birth? And then let's talk about your trip, your three-year trip. How did that come about? How were you led? Some of the highlights of what happened there. So the connection to virgin birth, it's, it's a two-part thing. On the one hand, it's the, 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 rejuven, the recreating of oneself from within oneself, right? So it's getting into alignment with their energy so that I can truly know who and what I am in essence, right? Um, so yes, when you look at self-creation, on a practical level, it's really getting into alignment with your essence and creating your identity based upon that. Um, and then the, the second deeper esoteric level has to do with that, that was a practice. It, it just was, I, you know, I, I can't say, oh, theoretically this, because it's a part of all, of, it's a part of the ancestral mothers in not just spiritually, but physically, DNA-wise, from way back. And divine back. conception, literal divine conception. Literal divine conception. So that is, it's, it's, an, it's a tradition. It's, it's an ancestral, it's, it's a mystery, of course. Um, it's an ancestral practice that's been passed down. So it's the, the knowledge is there, whether, you know, and how, how it's to be, how it's to, to come forth, that that's all on their hands. That's all their hands, through their so hands. I love this because what you're saying is there's two aspects of virgin birth or self-conception. One is the continual reproduction of the self, the continual renewal of the self, almost like the snake, right? Right. You're self-creating, you're, you're, you're refining, you're being reborn continually. You're being reborn continually okay that's profound on your day-to-day -day, daily walk in life and then there's your womb and its connection to the cosmos cosmic energy cosmic reproduction the bringing in of these divine beings and we will start with you know the mothers themselves the females in a female female line of succession and this was in my books i posited that the original practice was female 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 replication and there was even more work that i wanted to do on the akan of africa and you know so good that you say that because i have akan ancestry and it's through the mother line and what's beautiful about the mother-daughter relationship between me and my mother is that through integrating our my my origins, I was able to relay that to her. So that helped her with coming to herself, which brought her to the Akan. Now, 
the ancestors that have spoken have been all um, past kings, all right? Some of them women, but mostly kings. And that's where our paths have diverged because they won't speak to me. They won't, and they won't allow me to peek. They won't allow me to see. Um, there is some conflict in the distant past with regards to the divine mother and the kings. And what that is, I am not privy to at this time because that's my mother's, that's my mother's work. So for our Akan connection and ancestry, which is connected to um, the ancient Egyptian dynasties, um, she has to do that work and make that connection you know, eventually going back to, you know, back to Ghana and connecting to, to family pretty much. But that, that's her journey. I, you know, I can't do that. They won't, they won't allow, I've, I've tried peeking and I've come to it like a, a literal defensive block. Right. Of old skeletons, like almost up in arms, like don't cross this, but the mothers are behind me. So it's kind of a little tense. So there's some tension there. Um, but yes, it, the, the Akan, they're in there as well. Definitely. Yeah, the Akan of Ghana. And um, with their goddess Niame, and if that's how you pronounce it. Now, you're talking about these ancestral warfares that went on between the masculine and the feminine. And sometimes they're encoded in the ancient stories, you know. Um, I In my research, I would find these, these types of stories where... Um, the female was disempowered or you know, different things like that. Of course, across the board, we find this <laughs> and in the ancient Greeks and all of that. So your own connection then with virgin birth, can you tell us a little bit more about that? What I can say is with the mothers suggesting, not suggesting, with the mothers saying that I'm here to reestablish their, the lineage, their continuity, that's the biggest takeaway. That's the biggest give right there. Um, as you know, engaging in, in divine birth as, as a practice today, um, you know what? What? What more? What more can I say towards that? That that is an option there. Uh, how that would happen? What? What? What goes into it? It's all guided by them. Yes. And a big thing is you know having to have have that faith. So if you're if you're in a, a patriarchal mindset, you don't you're not in aligned with the right energies, right? You're not having faith in the correct cosmic alignment. So, which is why it took so many years for, for the cultivation, for the learning <laughs> and, and, and the practice. Um, so with, with regards to that, you know, if that's, if that's the way how this lineage is to reemerge, then it just remains to be seen as to what the process of bringing that to fruition would look like. That, that is really amazing because, you know, I have met other women along the years who are very, they hear about virgin birth and they just get completely electrified. Mm. You know, like they know this is a path, they know this was a path they were involved in, they know this is a path they may be involved in. 
and whether or not the doors will open, the veils will part enough for a viable child to come through is unclear. Um, the stories that I know of, the children have died young. And I will be speaking more about that. I'm gonna be giving a live call associated with the Divine Birth Mysteries audio series, but I'll give a live call to kind of update everyone. And I will be talking about that. Um, it's as though the veils have parted just a little bit for some of these children to come in. Uh, I know of one who continued to grow into adulthood and I, I'm not sure what her whereabouts are, but she's, they're in a Hindu tradition. So there's a lot more protection. Mm. The others I know were not protected women. And that's when you're, that's when you're in trouble. That's, that's a, that's key right there, you know, with regards to um, viability. It, it, protection, is, it's a big thing. It's, a, it's really, it's a big thing. And also knowing who's coming through, you know, if, if it's, if it's part of something old, that's just re-emerging, then there's a lot of preparation that that's required for it you know, and, or if it's a soul that's, that's like, I, you know, was a part of this maybe as, as a priest or a priestess a, a time ago, and, and I want to come back. This is how, this is just how I know how to come onto the earth. Um, if there isn't enough preparation around that, then it's, you know, it, it would be short-lived. Yeah. And what I've noticed is it, it, it also has to do with the um, level of spiritual maturity of the woman. Partly, um, because if she's not refining her personality, mm -hmm. integrating her own shadow or aware of it, um, getting humble, um, emanating the qualities that you were describing earlier on of grace and so forth. Yeah, there's going to be trouble there. You know, like there's so many things that need to be in alignment which is why Mary was such a, a successful one for bringing in a high being. I mean, she was the apex of this practice in terms of bringing in a male because she was aligned on all those levels. She was aligned and she had the community support. She had the community support. She had the community support. She had the protection. It, it, everything was set up, you know, so. amazing. It you know considering also that she brought in she brought in the too so it, it's you know also having humility that that's the biggest that is the biggest quality um, because I remember the mothers you know say it can be anyone you know it it it, it can be it's just you have to you can't run around you know saying oh this is what I am. This is blah, blah, blah. No, <laughs> I know. you have to remain grounded. You have to re remain humble. You yeah. know, you, you, we are all spiritual beings having a physical experience. Um, and it's, it's a privilege to be here physically. Yes. But, you know, regardless of what you're connected to it, you know, regardless of what you are in spirit, you still, you're, you're here physically, you know, you're no longer um, 
completely, you know, completely connected without having being in the, in this physical body. Like you, you have to, you just have to, it doesn't matter what crowns you wear. It doesn't matter what you inherit. It doesn't matter how you inherit it. It's, you have to be humble. Yes. Otherwise it, it just, it leaves you ripe and open for, um, you know, energies that, that, that don't have, you know, your good at, at its forefront through trouble. I mean, as I write about in my forthcoming book, The Mystery Tradition of Miraculous Conception, I know the two places when Anne is conceiving Mary parthenogenetically or virgin birth-wise, and when Mary has achieved the conception, they both have verbal expressions where they communicate a profound humility to the point where people reading the gospels think the gospel, it's the gospel of the infancy gospel of James is what it's called. They think this means that these women don't know what's what they've been orchestrating or what's happening to them. They're like, you know, how can this be? Or I'm as lowly as the birds and or you know, lower than the birds, whatever. Um, no, those are just communications of their humility. Mm. And I really try to make that clear in that book to rewrite, you know, to recast um, that misunderstanding. So let's talk about then your trip, your trip around the world in from what year to what year. And then we'll see, you know, what else wants to emerge before we go fresh right now. Maybe we'll tune into spirit and see what wants to come through. But tell us a little bit about your trip. Yeah, so it was a it was a three year, three month, three week journey. Just like that, I didn't plan it that way. <laughs> it came out that way. Um, it started in 2015, um, July 6th is when I took off. Uh, oh, July 5th. Sorry, the day before PS, before <laughs> and my birthday. Right? <laughs> Hello, you cannot make this stuff up. Seven, seven, come on, you're joking. You're pulling a leg. No, it's um, it, Yeah, it is. I um, I applied to get my MFA in creative nonfiction at Bay Path University. It was an online. It's an online program. I'm, I I didn't finish it. Apparently, it was a means to get me out of the country. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look at it in hindsight. And the first stop was Ireland because it was a part of the summer course, one week of writing workshop. And so I, rode, I arrived at the Shannon Airport, which is on the west coast of Ireland, and spent time in Dingle in the um, Kerry, Kerry County, which is beautiful, by the way. I've been there. Believe it or not, I've been there as well. And don't they have the cliffs? Yes, they you have know? the I had an almost near-death experience of a, a boat almost capsizing with my entire family. Wow. And those waters, really strange. Okay, all right, go ahead. Um, so the first week there was enjoyable. And then I was just saying to myself, I don't have a return ticket. So maybe I'll just explore Ireland and then, you know, whenever more money comes in, I'll just be able to buy a ticket back. That didn't happen. I spent, you know, 90 days of just 
floating in a sense. They're like either volunteering like on a, on a farm so that, you know, and in exchange, I can, you know, go out and explore um, or staying with people, random people. I say random, but not random, right? Um, that I would meet through someone that I met at the workshop. You know, they would hear about why I was there or my journey and they're like, this is interesting. Come stay with me and, and tell me more. Um, so that's how it was in Ireland. And I remember five days before my visa was up, I was panicking because I was just like, I don't have the money to, to fly back. Nobody back at home does. Where do I go back to? Because at that time, my mother was going, just finished the divorce and the house was gone. Didn't have a place. Um, so the woman that I stayed with, by the way, she she was, you know, heaven sent. She was like, I, you can stay with me in Arklo. And then when I go to Dingle, you can come with me. You know, she gave me some money from time to time. It was pretty much, and it was pretty much the exchange was in sharing our experiences, updates on dream time. She wanted to know what was going on. Um, she introduced me to a medium that she spoke to, that she, that she was learning from, because she was learning to open up, you know, open up her heart. And I remember encountering this man and spirit just spoke right through him. And it was so amazing because she was sitting to my right and he and I were sitting across from each other. And when spirit was speaking, I was like shrinking away <laughs> because the energy was that big and so she had to leave. So for her, that was like a huge confirmation. She wasn't going crazy. She wasn't going crazy by taking in a stranger. She was on her right, right path and right track. Um, five days before my visa was up, it came through in a dream. And my stepfather at the time provided me with some money. And so I knew that that meant help in some way. So I remember calling him, you know, and saying, who do you know in England? That's the closest country because I need to get out of this country. And he was like, oh, I have family there. <laughs> oh, so it was okay. So I reached out to them and they were like, yeah, you can either stay in London or um, from East Anglia, Norwich. So I ended up staying in Norwich, uh, took the ferry over and I stayed there for six months. And so it was, and the dreams that were coming up there at that time, it centered around ancient Egypt and ancient India. Um, and in particular, that's where I encountered Hatshepsut. I, I never heard of Hatshepsut before this encounter. And the ancient I, female pharaoh. Exactly female pharaoh that we know of. That we know of. So what I adore about Hatshepsut is that I, I was Googling divine birth in ancient Egypt, right? And so, you know, a bunch of things came up with, you know, Tutmos third and, and Ramses the Great, the Great, right? Um, and then I saw her name and I was just like, no, I'm looking for things related to what Marguerite was researching. <laughs> Why am I not finding this information? I go to sleep and she comes to me to recount who she was, why she did what she did. And I didn't know her story at that time. So I wrote it all down and then I went and I researched and I was like, oh my goodness. She knew, she had access to information that was hidden and her advisor, Senenmut, helped her to uncover. They're both quoted saying that they know what happened in the distant past with their ancestors. So, which is why what she was doing was completely valid. Mm. 
Um, so from there, you know, it, it was a matter of remembering more, understanding more of myself and my connection to that. Um, and then when my time was up, um, my sister, my second born sister needed some help with, with the medical, um, with a medical procedure, like maybe two months, you know, in that year, it was March, I was preparing to leave. And so I was just like, I need a country in between, you know, March and June, because, this, you know, I'd be going into the EU, and I don't want to, you know, I want to be able to be there for her. So what country do I go to? Please help me. Um, and so the next thing you know, Turkey came up. Right. It was uh, I. I was uh, a member of Workaway. It's a place where you, you know, where you volunteer in exchange for, you know, room and board, and then you get to go explore the country that you're in. You get to be a tourist, but that's how you pay for your way. You volunteer. So the first place that I applied to was the place that I went to. The you know the owner of the hotel was on Mount Ida. So there are two Mount Idas, one in Crete, one on the west coast of Turkey, slightly north of Izmir, slightly south of where Troy, historical Troy is, is located. Um, so I, I go and the dreams <laughs> again. <laughs> this time the dreams, what's really interesting is that with each location, the dreams are either connected to some historical um, event, right? So like with regards to the Western coast of Turkey, it was, you know, you, you have a lot of cultural mixing with um, Egypt and, and India, which is, you know, some people might think, oh, that's not possible. Of course it's possible. They're all those, that, that entire area was all interconnected way back in, you know, in the distant past 10,000 years, 15,000 years ago. Um, so from there, after, after, you know, Turkey, I went to Belgium to help my sister. So that going to Belgium, initially I thought, well, that's just a family thing that, that I'm, you know, going, going there to, to assist with. No, I actually have ancestry there as well. So all these little places, yeah, I know. If people think, how can you have ancestry from 12 different countries? And it's like, it's possible. Yeah. If you think the human, if you look at the human lifespan on the planet, what about a million, almost like 100, 150, 200,000 years? Why, why can't that be possible? We call these countries now West, you know, Turkey, uh, Africa, Belgium, you know, Netherlands or whatnot. But these, these are, you know, every single place I went to, I, I have ancestry from there. And so while I was there with my sister, um, you know, she was like, so where, where are you going next? And I was like, you know what? I, I don't know yet. They haven't revealed it to me. <laughs> um, so I would, you know, go into meditation and, and like a movement prayer, a movement practice. And I would just say, please, you have to reveal to me where to go next. Or this is what's going to happen. I'm going to have to go to the embassy, tell them I don't have money to get back. They'll, they'll probably tell me to, you know, reach out to family, sell most of my stuff for, for the ticket. And if I can't do that, they'll buy the ticket, but they'll take my passport until I can pay it off with interest. Yeah. yeah. So, and, I'm, and I would always say, if this is your journey, 
if this is, if I'm learning from this, you have to ensure that I get to my next destination. Otherwise, it's, your whole plan is just going to go off, you know, go out the window. And so somehow, three years, three years, ago. three months, three weeks and three days, it's you ended up traveling to Europe, West Asia, North Africa, all of these places as though to pick up energies, vibrations, memories, activations, mm -hmm. that some of which were coming forth and being revealed to you during the time, some of them since then, and some of them still to be revealed, correct? Correct. So let's, I mean, again, it could be a 14 part series, you know, as Gloria and Sylvia are saying, where we could hear about these details and what happened and what were the highlights and what were the weird things that happened. But um, let's pause for a moment and let's tune in for the now. So what we want to do is, is tune in now to, um, in our last few minutes together, to what message might be coming through um, to leave folks with who are watching. That's uh, coming from either the mothers, the, the grandmothers, um, or any aspect of your goddess self. And so I can give you a moment here to, to just tune into that and just um, speak whenever you're feeling called. Well, the, the biggest thing that they have said and what I'm, what they're repeating now is that they are coming through, meaning they are returning um, and they will reach through anyone that is still ancestrally connected. It's not to say that people cannot reconnect. It's, I think for a more faster, process it's we're we're coming through we're anchoring through our still living lineages and they are welcoming those that are wanting to return to origin um i mean when it when it comes to returning to self this is not it's not the ego self that's that's the that's something that people need to really keep in mind it's not the ego self so it's not oh this is what makes me feel good it's not what i think it is if you're coming from within the patriarchal conditioning that's that's not the origin that you need to return to your origin of self it's it's beyond that so yeah it's there there we're anchoring through we're coming through that's that's what they keep wow reiterating. <laughs> That, that is just wonderful and so amazing. And I think that many people over the years have been hearing that call. Um, there might be people who connect with you. And before we um, conclude, I'll have people be able to um, find out how they can get in touch with you if they're, if they're wanting to link in or support you in your journey or whatever. 
Um, and let me tune in to see if there's anything that, that wants to be said here. Just the reiteration that this is a momentous time on earth and things are breaking through the cracks of the patriarchy and the light is shining through and you're one example and there are many throughout the world. And coming into personal integrity, personal alignment, the energies of love, the energies of humility, the energies of grace are truly part of what's required and part of what will help the process for anybody on this path. Anybody who has heard this and feels the spark of recognition most likely does have some level of lineage. Mm -hmm. And I might even dare to say that our understanding of what lineage is might shift. Um, it may or may not be strictly DNA lineage, but it may be some kind of energetic frequency that comes through uh, the human spirit. So you could be in a lineage that way and, and therefore you are connected to past lives. Your lineage is there. Um, and I wanna honor you Dia for the service you've been doing kind of quietly behind the scenes and what sometimes seems to people like a crazy thing, like what is that girl up to now? Is she doing oh my god or you where know? are you now <laughs> where I, I never would know where you are you know it's like oh my gosh you're if you are staying put in any one place um it's kind of a miracle right yeah uh and also one thing that's happening here is you are that unity consciousness embodied because you are you are the weaver of the strands of of the DNA or however we're conceiving ancestry. There are many lineages coming through you. And so you are that bridge. You are that unity in diversity, diversity in unity that the Pleiades have always been saying to me is the aim of unity consciousness. And I think that you hold and embody a lot. And because what you're doing is governed not only by consciousness, but also more and more through the love energy. And I noticed that you, you identify yourself in your signature line and your emails as holder of Mary, right? <laughs> M-E-R-Y is the English transliteration of the M-R or the M-R-Y Egyptian uh, term that can be traced to meaning love or divine love, right? So, you know, I awakened to that as I was going through various aspects of my research. I talk about that in my, my new book, The Mystery Tradition of Miraculous Conception. And I think you and I are both in process of embodying that more and more and more. And what does that mean? And um, how do you live in the world and, and set good boundaries while still being in that Mary? So, um, yeah, that's what I have to say. Any other 
last things you'd like to say, and I'd also like you to include how people can get in touch with you, but is there any, anything else parting that you'd like to offer? Oh, I think the, the greatest gift everyone can give to the world is to start with themselves and it's to get back to origin. It's not so much about needing to uphold ancestors that did horrible things in the past. You know, your ancestry dates back to the beginning of time. You know, these divinities we talk about, they are our primary ancestors as well. Um, so getting back to origin means connecting with them and how they first began so that you can heal yourself. There's healing in that story. There's healing in those stories. You know, the traditions talk about how to heal, how to bring it to being. Um, and it, it takes, it does take time. It's not an overnight thing, you know, be gentle with yourself in the process, but definitely get back to the origin stories that's in alignment with your energetic blueprint. It, it doesn't matter how you look, how much or how little melanin you have how many different types of ancestries you have, there's always going to be the one or two that will speak to you the loudest. Get back to that in essence, get back to source and let that define who you are. Let that help you redefine yourself because it, it's important. That will help you raise your, raise your energy level, your vibrational frequency. The planet needs it, we need it. So definitely get back, get back to that as best you can. <laughs> There's a lot of healing in what in what you said in this time of division and contesting and um, fears around appropriation and things like that. So there's just there's just yes, we honor and completely acknowledge those fears, and also we are offering and looking toward a healing, you know, a unity, a unification, um, a working with these lineages with integrity, right? So yeah, that's important. That's very important. Like being in integrity, do this with, with an honesty for yourself. It, if you go in thinking you can make money off of this, you're, you're hurting yourself more. You're hurting your ancestry. You're hurting the people around you. Um, but if you feel that you feel connected to a culture that just, that you don't, that you didn't grow up in, Approach it with respect, you know, learn it for yourself. You can teach your process to others if that's what you feel you want to do, but, but do not teach what you're learning because if you don't have the blessings to do that, that's where the harm comes in, mm -hmm. you know? So don't be afraid to explore origin stories that empower you, that really, you know, really makes you feel connected. But there's a fine line between you know, teaching for yourself and taking it and teaching other people without having the blessings to do so. So just be really mindful. Please be mindful of that. That's part of the healing process. Blessed be. Blessed be. And how can people get in touch with you, Dia? Um, the best way right now is, is through, my, through my Gmail. <laughs> you know, <I> <laughs> Um, it's Temple of Mut, so T-E-M-P-L-E-O-F-M-U-T at gmail.com. That's, that's the best way at this time. 
Excellent. Good. Templeofmood.com. And what I will say to people is that this is a really good um, jump start back into my Divine Birth Mystery teachings that is going to be offered through the audio series um, that is available uh, currently. So I think people will find a lot of inspiration cross currents and overlap with what you're saying, a lot more foundational material about divine birth, about the seven mothers as they relate to the Pleiades and, and women's priestess traditions. Um, some of these masters, Athene, Artemis, Hera, Demeter, Persephone, and so forth. So I hope that people will uh, join in and, and enjoy that audio series as well. Dia, <laughs> thank you so much. We could be going on and on. We could. Um, I do want to just interject right quick. Um, also, the, the Goddess Temple app, there's an app. Um, it's just the Goddess Temple. You can go on Apple Store or Google Play. I'm also on there and I'm talking a bit more about um, this cosmogony that's been revealed. So if people want to just kind of lurk and look at the, the conversation, the group is called Her Cosmogony. So if you go on the Goddess Temple app and sign up, it's free to sign up. Um, I'm more active on there. than I'm, I'm not really on Facebook these days. <laughs> and so it's the Her Cosmogony group under Goddess Temple app. Yeah, on the Apple Store and Google Play as well. Great. And can people contact you for readings or guidance or that type of thing? Um, you can start. They, they can. I haven't. I won't be publishing anything like programs or whatnot until January. So I'm in the process of. But, you know, you can get into contact to find out more information about that mm -hmm. uh, because that is they're pushing me. <laughs> they're pushing me to, to start teaching yoga, the, the yoga that they've revealed. So, and that that's great because it's not just talking about it, it's about ways to integrate what what's about. So, yeah. Are you working one-on-one -on -one with people too now? That, that's that's how things will begin as well. That's how things will begin. Okay, got it, got it. Perfect, beautiful for the new year. Yes. All right. Well, Dia, thank you so much again. Thank you so much, Marguerite. I'm ecstatic that we finally been able to, to, to get to this point. Oh my goodness. It's been six years back and forth. <laughs> it's been six years. Yeah, I know. Me too. And it just never was right. And then all of a sudden it was right. It was like, I got the nudge. Whoa. Yes. Let's have this conversation to share with others. And uh, yeah. all in divine timing. All in divine timing, sister. Well, thank you, everybody, for being with us. And we do hope that you will investigate further with some of the resources that we have been talking about here. Many blessings as you unfurl, unfold, and reveal your own background and ancestry as it relates to what we've been talking about for the, for the greatest good of all and blessed be. Awesome. All righty. Yeah. Bye for now. Okay. <laughs>